Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Eric Corum, founder of AIM7. Welcome back to The Blueprint, where we distill cutting-edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your busy lifestyle and goals. I'm thrilled to have my friend, Lieutenant Colonel Andy Reese, back on the show. Andy is a highly respected leader and coach who is considered an expert in the psychology of leadership, resilience, and optimal performance. He has decades of experience in the field with a particular focus on evidence-based best practices in sport and performance psychology and behavioral science. Andy has taught at some of the most prestigious institutions in the country, including West Point Center for Enhanced Performance, the U.S. Air Force's Academy's Department of Behavioral Science and Leadership, and Texas A&M University, GIGM. In addition, he is one of the U.S. Army's first master resilience trainers and facilitators and was instrumental in launching both the comprehensive soldier fitness and holistic health and fitness programs. As a mental skills coach, he's worked in Major League Baseball, in the NFL. He's been a consultant to companies like Oracle, HubSpot, OpenGov, Kayak, OpenTable. I mean, this guy's resume is ridiculous. He's a total stud. And today he's delivering a masterclass on goal pursuit. Now, this episode is a bit longer than our normal shows because once he got going, I couldn't stop the flow of amazing information. And I thought it best that we keep this to one episode as you're going to want to listen to this multiple times. But before we dive in, AIM7 is here. This revolutionary app turns your wearable data into actionable recommendations to improve your physical and mental fitness. No more wasted time trying to figure out what your Apple Watch data means. With AIM7, we tell you exactly what you need to do each day for your mind, body, and recovery so you can look, feel, and perform your best. Look, what we're building here is not an app to download, but a movement to join. We are building a community of folks that want to take their mental and physical fitness to a new level, but they don't have two hours a day to go train and eat quinoa with their bros. So if this sounds like something you are interested in, then sign up now at aim7.com. The link is in the show notes and you'll get access to our beta app, four Zoom calls with me and my team to discuss habit building, adaptive capacity, mental fitness, and so much more. So sign up now and make sure to note in the registration process that you are a Blueprint podcast listener and we will prioritize your registration. All right, now for my conversation with Andy. So now let's lean in and learn from the best. Andy, it's a pleasure to have you back on the Blueprint. I'm excited to dig into some really fun topics. You know, there's a lot of people out there that claim to be mental performance gurus and all this kind of stuff. You're one of the few people that I know that have actually done it, studied it, and are trustworthy. And so I'm excited to have you back and to continue to bring you back on to educate our audience. But today I want to talk about goal pursuit. You know, January 20th, I believe, is quitting day. I don't know if you know this, but Strava, the health company, they they have connected, you know, wearables and they they're really big in the endurance community. Uh, They looked at behavior patterns in the new year of of people that, you know, start getting on their platform and doing a lot of running or cycling and they drop off. It's like over 180 million data points and quitting day was January 20th. So people have good intentions, but they somehow can't seem to get to the finish line. Mm. So let's talk about the art and the science of goal pursuit. What is it? Why is it important? How do we make this work for us? Yeah, first of all, thanks for having me back on, brother. I feel like, you know, repeat guest on uh, SNL, you know, so a, a repeat offender, <laughs> if you will. 
Oh, it's uh, we're, we're brothers from another mother, so I really appreciate it. And we're obviously humble servant leaders trying to make a difference, uh, making people better from the inside out. So to answer your question, I think there's a bunch of different reasons why people fall off the wagon. We'll get into those a little bit too, but I think the number one reason is that we don't understand the art and science of what I call goal pursuit. So let's break that down. Obviously you and I pedal in, in meaningless definitions, but this is an important definition for folks. So a goal is really a dream with legs. So we think about it, you know, we as human beings, we have this ability to reflect on the past, project into the future, but we really play well and perform in the present. But when we think about our aspirational selves, who we want to be, where we want to go, what we want to do, you know, a lot of that forms are kind of our, our dreams, what we dream about, what gets us a little bit excited, what's a little bit scary, what's um, maybe makes us a little bit nervous. And so, but then how do we make that dream a reality? How do we put that into action? You know, and I, those aren't just BHAGs, right? You know, those big, hairy, audacious goals that Stephen Covey talks about. Those are also those small, bald, and mundane goals, right? And so, uh, you know, obviously, you know, we are a little bit follically challenged, you and I, me more than you. So it doesn't always have to be this dream. It could be just something that I need to do. Um, but the pursuit piece is really where we get stuck. And a lot of the literature behind uh, this process, it talks about goal setting. And, you know, I could put references in here for you folks uh, who are here, Locke and Latham specifically, who I believe were affiliated with Ohio State University, did a lot of research on this topic uh, over many years, you know, and the thing that they found was that high and higher goals are more likely to be achieved at the individual and organizational level. So if we, again, we set those goals that are really high and really hard, those are more likely to be achieved. But they also talk about this idea of a process of developing a plan and then preparing, executing that, and then evaluating your way, and not only doing it by yourself, but having a team that's with you, some accountability partners and some checks and balances that allow you to be able to track progress and then, then be able to recalculate when you get off track, because inevitably humans, we're going to get off track. So in other words, so that's why I, to use a metaphor, I refer to goal pursuit really as this, again, art and science of developing a roadmap for our success. But then the skill piece is really developing our internal GPS, because the way that it works is that, you know, imagine we were going on a road trip and Eric, you and I are old enough to remember before life before GPS. MapQuest. That's right. MapQuest. You're exactly right. Turn by turn directions, you know, or even before that, you know, our in our parents age, you know, I did two road trips across the country when I was when I was younger. One, I was too young to remember. The other one, I was in, I was 12 years old. We went from California to D.C. and back. And I specifically remember my dad. I think he bought out AAA, right? You know, the, right, remember right. the AAA maps? Yes. So yes. back in the day, we had to have developed this roadmap, right? And then we had to figure out where we were going. So in this case, it was from California to Washington, D.C. And then we had to plot a course back. And along the way, we had to calculate and measure, you know, the amount of miles, some miles per hour, develop some stops. Those are waypoints. And then, you know, inevitably, you know, we'd, we would probably get off track, right? Because what's reflected on the map isn't what the reality is on the ground. And so then obviously we, we went by, we went as a team. You know, we had a family piece in there too. My mom was a navigator and my dad was the uh, the driver. And that was always contentious. If you've been on those family road trips before too, those were always fun. They make memories for both good, bad, and different reasons. The big reason why people fall off the wagon as of January 20th, and I, I'm a, a Strava, please, uh, the folks who can follow me on there too, is because one, we set and forget the goals. 
So we do these things called New Year's resolutions, right? Which are really the intentions piece, which talks about maybe who I am now and who I want to be. Maybe we, we get smart. We describe the destination, which a lot of people talk about, you know, who are probably about an inch deep in terms of goal pursuit. They talk about specific, measurable, action-based, realistic, time-bound. So, but that's essentially like describing the destination, like using my family analogy, like, hey, I want to go to Washington, D.C., but then there's no action plan on how to get there. So when you don't have a plan of action that you're going to go put into practice, then the likelihood that you're going to actually go ahead and pursue those goals, especially when things get tough, are less likely. So in other words, you're going to fall back on your habits or those behaviors and routines that are already ingrained in your neural pathways that are, are really dominant. Those can be mindsets or patterns of thinking. Those can be really, uh, really hardcore developed habits. So especially if you have a, a change in your behavior and a change in your routine that you didn't have when you set the goals in December, you're going to fall back into that path of least resistance. And that's why we tend to fall off too. Um, so that's the, that's the art and science of goal pursuit, what it is. Uh, and why it's important, I think, is because it gives us purpose, direction, and motivation. And we can get into all of those too. So people set goals. So, okay, I want to back up for a second. High and lofty is better than, I guess, low and super obtainable. Not, I'm going to say super obtainable, but like, okay, I want to lose. I'm just going to use weight loss because that's like the number one Absolutely. resolution, yeah. right? We always want to, we all want to lose a couple LBs, right? Yeah. Yeah. 20 pounds. Let's say 20 pounds is the number. That's a high and lofty goal versus I need to lose one pound. And you're like, check after four days or three days of eating no carbs you've urinated out their pound of water and that's over with <laughs> so when you so it is okay to have these smart frameworks to describe right. that high and lofty goal right but what about the process are people getting messed up yeah i thanks for asking that and i think this is the most important piece so you know i use a, a four-phase process you know so it, it follows the targeting methodology that I used when I was in the military targeting is really the process of identifying your external targets and, you know, what, you know, how we wanted to affect behavior change with the enemy. But I think it's really relevant to this piece too. And so I use, depending on the audience, I use that uh, uh, detect, decide, deliver, and assess. Uh, or in, I also use the idea of the four phase ideas. It's the same steps, which is plan, prepare, execute, and assess. So those are the four phases, and this follows um, some new science that is called the Aspire Goal Framework. And we'll put in a, a, a shout out to my buddy, Dr. Michael Gerson, who's at National University, who, who gave this to us. It comes from uh, Gano Overway and Carson Sackett. I think this is a really good framework, and we'll, we'll share this with the audience. But uh, if all, to follow along here, this is the Aspire Framework, and I can go into this step by step and then jump in and interrupt me as we go along here, Eric. but this gives you a couple frameworks um, that are easy to remember, like just like smart, that's gonna help you with the process. And so number one is the A, you know, so this is in phase one planning and that's to assess your personal environmental factors, right? Um, so I think, but you know, we tend to think about where we wanna go and how we wanna get there, but we don't take into account who we are. And so this is something that I think is super important. You and I have talked about before too. So before I start to think about you know, what my high and hard goal is, my BHAG, if you will, to use Covey's analogy, is that I want to be able to inventory what I have available to me in terms of who am I? It's more of a philosophical question, right? And so I, 
I call this kind of assessing your character strengths, you know, and the values and action survey is, an, is a way that is valid and reliable that I use to work with my clients to actually figure that piece out. Because a lot of us have never sat and thought about what our values are, the principles that matter to us, who are kind of anchor our identity. And so I look at the character strengths that includes your values, your beliefs, your beliefs are the extension of your values in which that becomes the lens by which you see yourself, you see others in your environment. Um, beliefs are, are very important to us in terms of sh shaping our attitudes, and our behaviors and what we go pursue or what we don't. Um, and then I look at your purpose, you know, which we know is related to in intrinsic motivation or an in internal drive to be able to go then accomplish our goals. So that those character strengths are really important too. Then I, from an inside out, you also want to take a look at, okay, who's on my team, you know? And so who do I have available to me that is going to help me go on this journey with me? Because you can go, I love the quote that you can go fast, go by yourself. If you want to go far, uh, go with the team. And so that's another big thing as well, too. So a team could be your family, your friends, someone that's going to hold you accountable. Maybe you, like, let's say I came and hired you as my coach to work right. with me on pursuing this. But we all need, it sounds like, accountability and somebody like, hey, how are you executing on your plan? Right. Um, because there's very few people in the world like David Goggins who, yeah. you know, just wake up in the morning eating gravel and are going <laughs> right. to go accomplish whatever, you know, and call it. Right. Not, there's part of me that I don't like the Goggins mentality. It's kind of doesn't it's not humanizing it's just kind of putting yeah. down sometimes but it sounds like do we need people that we're surrounding ourselves with and we have to bring them into this process like hey i'm going to do this thing i need you to hold me accountable we're going to meet every other week for 10 minutes or i'm going to text you a picture and results or i'm right. supposed to be reading these this book right now i'm going to show you the chapters that i've done that that kind right. of thing you're absolutely right and so i think because those none of us it's the illusion of of self-awareness, which I know we're going to talk about here too, is that none of us are completely self-aware. If anybody, you know, this is a red flag when I'm coaching folks, it maybe says, well, I'm really self-aware. That's like kind of a red flag that they're not as aware as what they think they are too, because the reality is, is that we all have blind spots and then we, and we're, because we're social creatures, we rely on other people to help, you know, uh, to help shore our areas of improvement and that our strengths then help, you know, balance them out as well too. So this, again, it's the pack mentality that we have that, you know, to where we're, we're better together, you know? And so there are some things that you have to do on your own inherently, like you can't just hundred percent rely on other people to, you know, but who are your Sherpas? If you're climbing this, this Everest, you know, who are the Sherpas, the trusted guys that you want to surround yourself with that have maybe have a unique knowledge, skills, or experience that can help you accomplish this hard thing. Right. Um, and there's different ways to go about that. Uh, so once you do that, once you, you inventory what's within yourself, then I think then we can move on to the next step, which is to, uh, set, which is the A and aspire, which is to set specific and measurable goals. This is where we put our, we want to be very clear in terms of where we're going on our road trip. Right. You know? And so again, specific as I want to be, you know, I want to describe it in detail, maybe even with as many senses, senses as possible. Is it measurable? In other words, can we look at this thing quantifiably and you know, and qualitative uh, feedback that's going to help us measure our progress along the way? You know, is it action based, right? So again, you know, knowledge without action means equals nothing. So in other words, you know, what are this? What are maybe some of the steps that I can take that are achievable that allow me to then make progress? Um, you know, is it realistic, right? 
Yep. We're not really focusing on probabilities right at this point in time. You know, we're focused more on possibilities at this phase in time too, because again, you know, we want to make this, you know, uh, and the thing that really gets us excited and we want to start to get our juices flowing to start to muster up that intrinsic motivation, that uh, autonomy, that mastery, that purpose, the amp factor. You want to amp up your mo internal motivation to get you excited for it too. And then you want to be time bound. So in other words, and again, this is adjustable, but you want to give yourself a date. So I'll use myself as an example. You know, so I'm running a half Ironman triathlon uh, down in your area. Uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to hang out. You probably avoid the crowds, but this April 2nd, I'm doing a half Ironman triathlon. And so for those who aren't familiar with, you know, that is a, uh, a 1.2 mile swim followed by a 56 mile bike run followed by a half marathon or 13.1. And I want to do that in seven miles. So when I'm, when, so when I'm, setting that smart goal everything is related to that and the team that i'm doing with is my really good friend and business partner nate last who's a multiple time iron man he's the adult in the room who's you know helping us out i also have another novice a rookie my friend daniel roby you know and again we're raising money for a cause so the purpose is there as well too so daniel runs austin street he's a pls alum with me it's a a um so that is a um homeless shelter and then i'm running for team red white and blue which is a veteran service organization that helps veterans with a community and they work across the entire human dimension when it comes to health, wellness, and fitness. Um, so that's who I'm representing as well too. So there's a purpose that's bigger than me, you know, that's related to this as well. Uh, I'll go ahead and pause there. That's the, that's the S and then we can talk about, you know, laying out the waypoints along our journey and, um, and then some of the more nitty gritty details. No, this makes sense. I mean, you got to get really specific on this big, hairy, audacious goal, and it's got to be something that's going to challenge you. And then you need to, you know, put a framework around it, specific, measurable for me, measurable. Like if you're doing a Ironman, half Ironman, then you're going to be measuring with your wearable device, you know, the, the distance you track, you know, how far you ran, looking at your morning resting heart rate or HRV to make sure you're recovering, making sure you're checking in on your soreness and having these little checkpoints along the way. Did I hit my mileage goals so that I know, uh, you know, some maybe it's financial fitness. Like this year, my wife and I have a goal of having a certain amount of money in a bank account uh, as we're looking to uh, purchase another home, right? And so right. Like, I'm like, okay, every month I'm tossing money into this and making sure I check that off and like what, what area do I maybe need to sacrifice in or go out and make a couple extra bucks. And so sure. you can't just say I want to, have a hundred thousand dollars in a bank account you got to go okay that's great awesome now what do i do and then like who's going to hold me accountable and what are the processes along the way so i think this makes complete sense i think that one of the things that really keyed in with me is like it you need to get excited about this yeah you know don't you can't be a bump on a log but oh well i'm gonna get my you gotta like bring some juice to the table that's right because it's gonna get hard it is. What? Let me ask you this: Like, when you hit those measurables, mm -hmm. are you internally like, it's like saying, "Hey, Andy, great job, man! You hit your fifty miles this week on whatever." Mm -hmm. Like, how do you internally motivate yourself? Yeah, it's it's a great question because it, it brings up this idea of motivation and discipline, not motivation versus discipline. Unlike some other people who uh, think they know what they're talking about, but don't necessarily know what they're talking about, right? And we know who those people are, right, Eric? So, um, I love it. So, the next step is, Dan, I'll answer Dig your question. That. Dig into that. So, yeah, well, I will do referring to is there's people out there that say, like, don't rely on motivation 
it will it's you know it's going to fail you every time right only rely on discipline now there are models where like your motivation is low right but you still got to take maybe a smaller action how do you feel about those things like motivation yeah. super high maybe you push it a little harder motivation's real low right. i just got to get across the line yep yeah and this kind of goes into phase two is like preparation you know to where we're now we're talking about the p and aspire which is performance and learn the learning process and you know those where am i now in other words so again like you're going on a journey this is where i want to i've talked about who am i i've talked about where i want to go now i'm 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 putting probabilities back on the table, right? And again, I'm looking at where am I now in relationship to my goal. In order to get from point A to Z, what are all the what are all the steps that need to go into that too? What are my strengths? Do your SWOT analysis. So my strengths, my weaknesses, my opportunities, my threats. I don't like to say weaknesses. I like to say what I need to sustain and build off of. So my strengths-based approach. And I talk about what do I need to improve because, again, we're not necessarily focused on weaknesses or what I suck at. I'm focusing on what do I need to get better at. And then what happens in those becomes then your priority areas. So for me, so for example, going back to my example for the half Ironman triathlon, my big priorities were uh, number one was, you know, staying healthy. You know, so I have some compromised musculoskeletal injuries. And I have a, you know, a hurt lower back. Um, I, I started off overweight. So I was really high risk as I assessed it to, to be able to get injured. And the last thing that I wanted to do was to have a serious injury that would set me back and prevent me from doing this because, oh, by the way, we were like advertising this. We were putting all of our data out on Strava and out in the world. We, the, the money that we were raising for, uh, for veteran nonprofits previously in my, in my last attempt. Um, so I, I did, the last thing I wanted to do was say, hey, I'm gonna go do this big, hairy audacious goal. And then all of a sudden I get injured and then it gets derailed, right? Um, so this time I was like, okay, I need to really make sure that I, because uh, I did actually have some injuries the last time I prepared for this, specifically some uh, hamstring issue, issues that I had to, that I was dealing with an alien hamstring the whole entire time. Uh, so I was like, okay, I want to make sure that I, I stay healthy. So what do I, you know, what do I need to do? I want to make sure that my body is really warmed up and cooled down every time that I, so I have a develop a really good, you know, uh, prehab routine prior to me going doing a run, bike or swim. And I have a really good cool down routine. Um, as well too. So I want to reduce that risk that I'm going to have an injury. Number two is nutrition. Um, and, and you talk a lot about this in your podcast, you know, Eric, but it, but you can't out train your diet. And for me specifically, you know, I had to do a deep dive because I'm, you know, 45 now, um, you know, after I retired, you know, I'd stopped doing regular physical fitness that was mandatory in the army. And then although that was part of my lifestyle, part of who I am, you know, the stress was overwhelming in terms of, you know, would I change your job two times, the pandemic, there's a lot of excuses that I could make, but when I look myself in the mirror in two years after I retired, you know, I, I gained like 30 pounds and I completely fell out the wagon. I mean, I'm literally arguing, I'm in denial with the nurse at the doctor's office saying this scale's broken, this is not right, because I never weighed that much, even when I played football in college. So for me, I needed to really do a deep dive on this. And so, it was, um, I needed to get educated. I need to have a resource. So thankfully, uh, another big thing that we did here is with uh, Excella, who I'd highly recommend too. And so they are a gut health company. And so through labs, I did a really deep dive analysis on my gut microbiome. Um, they gave me, not only helped me with that to get my gut healthy again, because the gut brain access is very real. And that was affecting my psychology, my physiology, my relationships. So once I dialed that in, then I could actually develop a plan on how to feel my body uniquely. Um, and then both for my training, but also for when I go execute. 
Um, but that's that's a challenge. Okay, that gets into the answering the question of what you talk about. So why is why is it about motivation and discipline in this case, right? So uh, how do I eat this and not that? And then how do I understand fully what's going on inside my gut? Um, so again, motivation is about drive. Motivation is about commitment. Ultimately, if we want to give it one word, it's about stick to itness and it's about the process. Whereas discipline is about compliance. It's very behavior based. So we have commitment and we have compliance. If you want to bring two C's together to be able to talk about it too. So a lot of the reasons why motivation is incredibly important is that it's the fuel that drives our human performance engine. So we think about us using a boat metaphor. If human beings are a boat, we have this engine, right? And what is the fuel that makes up that drives our engine? Well, there are external and internal factors when it comes to motivation that, you know, um, so we know that we think about extrinsic motivation as the external factors, such as rewards, punishments, incentives, uh, punishments. So those things are work well in the short term, and there's a time and place for those. But we know, based on DC and Ryan's research, um, and this was made famous in Daniel Pink's book, is that internal motivation or intrinsic motivation <clears throat> is the type of motivation that's really going to fuel us for the long haul, especially when things get difficult, when we encounter challenge, change, and adversity, like I did in my previous attempt where I crashed my bike, collapsed my lung. You know, and all of a sudden I can't, I did that 10 days before my triathlon. You had a right? great attitude about that, by the way. Thank you. And and I appreciate that. And, and that wasn't by accident, right? Be, so yeah. what that did, you know, I could have been very deflated and collapsed about that too, but I had such, I'd been fueling myself, you know, in a lot of different ways, including making daily deposits of my self-talk, my belief statement anchored in my value system. And that's what really helped me push through that and put things in perspective and then set another high and hard goal, knowing that I had a very strong foundation. So based on what DC Ryan found is that, you know, you the most important of the three internal ingredients that go into intrinsic motivation are autonomy. In other words, I have the ability to do it myself, although I have the available resources to do this so I can develop the knowledge, skills, and experience, and I can put those in practice. That's competence or mastery how well I can do something. And then purpose again is my big why, which kind of goes back to like Simon Sinek and talked about not only who I am and what I want to do, but how am I going to get there, right? So when the purpose is bigger than yourself, it makes it way more likely that you're going to be able to push through that adversity. So, and then discipline, why that's necessary, bringing the other equation in here too, is again, it's all about action, right? And so, but when I talk about compliance, and I'll take it from a military perspective, you know, having gone to West Point and spent a career in the Army, I know a little bit about discipline. Yeah. Um, and so discipline, uh, again, is about a specific set of behaviors that are usually done on purpose to a set exact standard. In other words, there's an expectation that your behavior is going to learn lead to an outcome. So, for example, in the military, you know, there's a reason why we all have wear the uniform. There are standards in terms of what the uniform, how you wear it, what it looks like how all the patches are arrayed. There's a haircut, a grooming standard. You know, there's a reason why that is. There's a reason why we don't have beards in the military. You know, so there's a there's a discipline factor in terms of setting the conditions for discipline to exist that then, and certain expectations and standards that are written down and reinforced by all leaders and even amongst the, amongst peer groups that then allow you to be able to comply with what it is needs, needs to do. But I will tell you, a lot of people think from a military standpoint, well, there's, you know, you can get people to comply and be motivated because you just tell them what to do, order them to go do it, and they're going to do it. 
Well, that's not exactly how it works, right? Because again, compliance will get you through a short run, but commitment is what gets people to do it on their own accord, right? And then vice versa, right? So inevitably motivation, whenever you hit a challenge, a setback, you know, along your journey, that's going to also be limited in itself too. So in other words, if you have a bad, you're just, you're just not feeling it. And, I, and everybody who's been there, and again, while you fall off in the gym is like, when you're kind of having a bad day, you're really low energy. You're not, you don't feel motivated because no motivation isn't just a feeling, right? And that's another misnomer, right? Again, it's a part of the human system that you're leveraging to it. So when I'm not feeling it, I'm having a bad day, I'm low energy, I'm like, and I got that negative self-talk that says to me, man, I, the last thing I want to do right now is go for a 20 mile bike ride. That was me yesterday. You know, I just got back with the camp out for my daughter. You know, it's a nice day outside. And I'm like, man, I need to go get this 20 mile bike ride in and I do not want to do it right now. And so what do you do? You're like, you think about your goal. Okay. I do it anyways. Right. So maybe I think less and I do more. And that's when discipline comes in, you know, but again, it takes about somewhere between 44 and 66 days, depending on the research you look at to form a habit. So again, going back to the reason why people fall off is the new habit has not been formed yet. But again, you know, your motivation will get you started. Discipline will keep you going and vice versa. So it's a both a, they're both required uh, in order for you to be successful, both in the short and the long term. This is really good. Um, I think that when you get into those states of, I don't feel like it, I'm tired, I'm, you know, low, mo, whatever you want to call it. Is that the point that, like like you said, motivation will get you started, discipline will keep you going? That's when you can go back to those, I'm doing this because this is my value. This is who Eric Corum is. That's right. And then you're like, I don't have to take the biggest action. I can take an action that's going to get me one of the process goals or process actions that's going to get me to that ultimate BHAG. Right. And so I, this is there's so many more layers to this than people realize. Yeah. And that's why people like you exist, you know, because like if you really want to go after something freaking hard, yep. you've got to have a process in place. So we've got a BHAG. We've got we've really gotten specific on the target. We have mm -hmm. a plan. We've sussed out the difference between motivation and discipline. What's left? Yep. So the next step is now we're getting into now we're starting to go execute. Right. Yeah. So I, so now we start to make we make our daily to do list. And this is what we tend to think of. Another, you know, we, so we skip the priority areas, you know, and then we go right into daily to-do lists. This is another reason why people fall short as well, too. So now based on, you know, I've got my, I got my destination. I know where I'm at now. I know what I need to work on. These are my priority areas. You know, those may be like, you know, for example, physical, mental, technical, and tactical, social, and spiritual. So let's say, maybe say you got five priority areas. Those are like your big rocks. Now I want to break those things down into manageable action steps and attitudes that are associated with thing every day. So a lot of people put daily to-do lists that are, again, behavior-based. So in other words, you know, I have a training program, and like I talked about yesterday, I had a 20-mile ride built in. I also had a recovery day built in, which a lot of people don't think about that as well, too, because you need to work hard and recover even harder. A lot of people skip that piece, too. That's the um, for growth. You're exactly right. And so the next second, my daily, my daily actions – and for each one of my actions that are correlated with that goal, I have a specific attitude and belief that's associated with that, right? And so again, a lot of people think about what they need to do, but not how they need to think in deliberate and effective ways that gives them energy, optimism, and enthusiasm, right? So again, going back to yesterday, I got a 20 mile bike ride. I just got done 
um, you know, cleaning up from a camp out with my daughter overnight, which was fantastic. You know, it was a little chitty, chilly. I was coming up with the reasons why not to go get on the bike, get myself warmed up and go do that for an hour. Right. So again, the attitude was, okay, falling back on my belief system is look at it. I, my, one of my values is competition. And I believe I, you know, adhere to the philosophical idea of competition uh, based on like Pete Carroll, based on John Wooden, and I reinforced by a lot of the research and science behind competition, which is the process of making yourself better so that you can better influence other people around you. And so for me, you know, I, 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 one of my belief statements that's related to that value is I am a competitor, right? And competitors are always doing things to make themselves better incrementally, you know, um, and it's not necessarily always 1% better, right? Because sometimes you're taking a step back and that's can also be progress. So for me, it was like, okay, I, I believe that I'm a competitor. I believe that I am a, a triathlete. You know, maybe I'm saying to myself, I'm an Ironman, even though you can't say that until, you know, you've actually finished an Ironman. Um, but then, you know, that allowed me to then say, okay, now I'm changing, you know, I'm winning the argument between my ears. And now maybe I'm shifting from a more ne negative mindset to a more neutral mindset to where now I'm saying to myself, okay, let's just get this done. Let's just get this, let's get warmed up, move that to that next step. Okay, now that you're warmed up, let's just get on the bike. You know, maybe we pet, we, let's get warmed up too, and then just hit the road. And inevitably, when you're done with your ride, which is funny, you know, even when you don't feel like it, you know, and then you go do that, it's amazing about those endorphins that fire and that free adrenaline you get when you're actually doing it. And I've always found myself, and I'd be curious to get, see what you think, Eric, is that sometimes my best workouts that I've ever had, you know, were the things, or when I started off where I didn't want to do it. And then for whatever reason, that mindset shift and the behaviors followed and I'm having a hell of a freaking workout. Right. Because, and, and I don't really know why that is, you know? And it, so uh, I'd be kind of curious to see what you think about that. I don't know if there's a scientific reason for that. I think once you get going and you start increasing those catecholamines and you get that adrenaline dump, like you said, especially if you start using things like music yeah. or you're with a group, all of a sudden it's like, you, it's a kind of this, feed forward mechanism. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I use things like music to, to get me through it. You know what I'm saying? Um, when I don't feel like it and I'm going to play something that's really going to hype me up or I look at something that's very exciting, um, right. to stimulate me. But I don't know, man, you're right. I think there's also this, like, I'm this thing in your head where you're like, I didn't feel like doing it. I took a step forward. I'm a freaking right. stud. Yeah. You know, like, like yeah. I got this, you know, like I, I, or if it's food or whatever, like I could have had X, Y, Z, but instead I did this. And then when you're done, it's like, and I just feel better about myself. I, I did something right. that was hard. Yep. And it's, and that's a micro win, right? Yeah. That's, and that's what's, that's what's also really important too, is that, you know, built into this piece is that I'm celebrating wins and, you know, and I'm doing that both, you know, with my rewards is where extrinsic motivation is. Maybe I'm, I'm rewarding myself afterwards. So my reward is after my ride is that, you know, I was going to go put in my blood flow restriction training on my, my cock glue, as I started using. It's a whole nother episode when you talk about blood flow restriction training, which I learned about. And, uh, and then, I, then I, watched, I watched football the rest of the afternoon with my family. And it was awesome. I, my Niners won. And like, hey, that's a, that was one hell of a day. Right. And <laughs> And so uh, I, I think again that psychological. How much the Dallas Cowboys disappoint yet 
Yeah, again, sorry, Cowboys. Shout out to my brother-in-law. I we went radio silent. We didn't even have to Almost talk. Thirty years of disappointment. Oh man, I love that rivalry though. That was it's always. I was very nervous. I'm not going to lie to you, especially after the performance last week. Um, but what you're, I think, what you're describing, Eric, is the reason why your attitudes and your behaviors are so important is because those are the A B buttons in your thermostat, which we're going to talk about. And the reason why that interaction is important is because in any situation. You know, there's a loop that happens that's going on inside your ears, right? And inside your body, right? So the situation is kind of if you're telling a story, you're framing the who, what, when, where. Now the thoughts c- come into play. Those are the, your conscious thoughts, you know, about how you think and really manifest and how you talk to yourself oftentimes. And the next piece is how you feel, which is your physiological response to a stimulus or and then how you respond to that stimulus. And that includes your emotions, your happy, sad, glad, joy. The next piece is then it leads to a behavior, which is what you do or don't do. And then that leads to that connection between your behavior and an outcome, which is your performance. And it's what's interesting when you look at that loop, and it, we can show a graphic here so people can follow along here that I'll share with you, Eric. Is so when that thought performance interaction happens, you know, and you're riding that, it's a flywheel effect, right? And the point of entry, it's nonlinear. So the point of entry may be a thought, but the point of entry may also be an emotion or a behavior. So in this case right here, by just me getting started and just getting on my bike, although my thoughts were maybe negative to neutral at that point in time, my behavior was moving forward. It was taking the next best step. So the next best step was just, hey, just get your get your freaking, you know, get your Lycra on, middle-aged men in Lycra. Just, you know, get your stuff on, get your gear on. Once you get your gear on, then you get warmed up. Once you get warmed up, then get on your bike and then just go from there too. Now the behavior has now starting to spin the flywheel in my favor, right? And so, and again, that gets you psychological momentum. A lot of times people who, again, sports fans are thinking about the momentum shifts that happen with teams, but that's happening with inside you as well too. The opposite effect can happen as well too. So that negative thinking, if I allow that to dominate, you know, my headspace in that period of time too, then I never would have gotten started, right? Because I would have come up with excuses to, I would allow that inner dictator to then say to myself, okay, well, you can just skip today. We took tomorrow off. Just chill out today. I know you're not feeling it. It's okay. We'll do it tomorrow. And that procrastination starts to creep in. And now the behavior of getting started actually doesn't happen, right? And now I'm starting to flush myself down the toilet. And that becomes that cycling down and flushing yourself down the toilet then tends to dominate the situation. So those are two examples of what's, those are, that's what's happening between your ears, which I think you know, goes back to what you're talking about. To where, so where does it start? Is it the thought or the behavior? The answer is both, right? And depending on you need to find that right combination of A button attitudes and B behaviors in any situation that's going to help you get to that next best step. I love that. So going back to our framework, where are we in this framework right now? Yeah, absolutely. So again, we're, we're at the I, which is incremental short-term goals leading to long-term short-term goals. So those again, those are your waypoints. We're talking about, um, you know, again, attitudes and behaviors that are going to reinforce how you get to those short-term goals, right? Um, and then I think the next piece then is, again, celebrating the wins. It's mitigating the losses. And then this is really gets into where AIM-7 comes into and folks returns them. How do I measure progress, right? And again, you want to bring lots of resources to bear to be able to help you track in you know, yourself, because again, we don't have a GPS on this journey. So we got to build in our own internal GPS. The way GPS works, obviously we have at least seven satellites among hundreds if not thousands of satellites that are, the more satellites we have and data and information that's useful that we get, 
the more accurate or precise our location is at any point in time to be able to tell whether or not we're on track, how fast we're going, so on and so forth, right? So again, internally what you're doing is you're bringing a lot of different resources to bear, right? And this is where technology is so beautiful because if I'm using AIM-7, I get a lot of great aggregated data that's feeding me with information that's useful based on what I'm wearing, like my aura or my whoop band, in terms of how my, what my sleep and recovery store is, and then how does that line up with what my activity is? Do I need to, you know, okay, so you're saying I got a sleep score of a 70 and it says for me to take it easy today. Well, what the F does that mean, right? <laughs> I, got, I got to go do a freaking 30 mile bike ride and you're telling me to take it easy, whoop, come on, man. Let's 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 go here. Well, now I've got aim seven to do to be my to, to interpret what the heck is going on, right? And say, okay, based on this workout, here's what we recommend that maybe you have a perceived rate of exertion that may be a little lower that still allows you to maybe do a 20 mile bike ride instead of a 30 mile bike ride because you got a 70 sleep score, right? So those are some things we have to bear. There's some other great apps that are out there, habit share. But what I always made mandatory was good old fashioned journaling. Right. And, you know, and there's and also tracking it with a spreadsheet. Right. So, you know, at every single day, you know, you want to be able to or you can do it weekly. You know, the reason why writing things down is it helps commit things to our short term memory. And it's an active mindfulness exercise while you're doing it. So you get a multiplicative effect by just writing stuff down. Um, and so that reflection back on your day. to OK, this is what was supposed to happen. This is actually what actually did happen. Maybe what do I need to sustain what I need to improve? that internal after action review every single day. And then how does that information then feed into my plan for the next day? What adjustments I need to make? That's key. And, and so, but again, like, you know, Hey, when I, when I hit my goal, I want to celebrate. Like for me that celebrating usually meant food, right? So I'm going to go smash a freaking little Caesar's pizza all by myself and drink some beer. Well, <laughs> so exactly. Right. You know? Yeah. That's not a great way to celebrate though. Is it? Absolutely not. Because then I would have taken a step back, right? But again, now, now I, you know, you know, now what I'm doing is like doing a little bit different, right? So celebrating your goals can look a little bit different. Okay, well, I just smashed a 20 mile bike ride and I felt great. And so now, what am I doing? Now I'm eating a healthy meal. I'm eating a lean sirloin steak. I'm having some roasted Brussels sprouts. I, I'm not drinking beer right now too, but you know, I'm actively recovering while I'm enjoying the rest of my day playing football. That that was a huge win. For me, and that was a great way for me to celebrate what I did yesterday too. So we got to get creative, innovative to do that. And again, we're going to tell other people about it. Now I'm bringing other people to bear here. So now I'm talking to my coach, and my coach is giving me feedback. Hey, Andy, that was awesome yesterday, man. Like you know, let's let's talk about this last week and what adjustments we need to make. Here's what I'm seeing in the data behind you know um, the watts that you're putting out, you know, and so and so forth. Do we need to make any adjustments? Well, yeah, Coach Jesse, we need to make some adjustments because I'm flying to Atlanta this next week. So maybe today, I know what you had planned for me was that I was going to, maybe today is going to be a good uh, taper week a little bit, or not a taper week, but rather a little recovery week. I'm going to do a little bit of a cross training because I'm be working out with some friends when I'm in Atlanta. And also, by the way, it's really hard to be able to swim and bike when you're traveling. And you don't have a swim and you don't have a pool and you don't have a bike. So we're making adjustments in real time as well, too. So those are the little minor things that, that need to happen there to be able to, uh, to move things forward. So that's really the E, that's evaluate and support. And again, you know, the more that you're able to write this down, and I've got a framework to help you, a template that's going to help you lay all this out visually. So conceptually, it makes a lot of sense and allows you to then make it easier for you to be able to track the, the attitudes and behaviors that you're doing every single day to move you along. And yeah, then you're going to get off track. Check out yeah, this right. framework. Where can they find it? 
Uh, so please reach out to me. Um, I would love to give you a free consult. Yeah. Um, and a lot of this is proprietary to design to perform. Uh, my company, uh, obviously, a lot of the, the process is, is open source is what we're talking about it, too. But a lot of the tools that I use are uh, unique to uh, how we do business. So please reach out to me. Uh, we'll leave we'll my show notes. We'll put uh, your email or whatever contact uh, info you want us to put in there uh, so that people can reach out because this is like this is amazing stuff here. This is this is how you go about pursuing very difficult things and and not just hoping that you make it there but having a very clear roadmap for success kind of like we started with like no longer are we having to pull out the Rand McNally and <laughs> making all sorts of like crazy turns now we got the precision ways you know that's telling me turn by turn and then you can check back in and oh guess what there's a detour ahead right or there's a car wreck or this you need to go go this direction and and that's what you really need is a is a moldable roadmap to change with how life moves and fluctuates. Right. And, and that's what you do at a really elite level. I appreciate that, Eric. And, uh, and again, it's one of those things where I think, you know, we have to, we have to be prepared for setbacks to happen. Right. So let's say the challenge change and adversity is inevitable and, and growth is optional. Right. So how do we make the daily choices deliberately and intentionally to then experiment? Right. Because a lot of people who are out there are talking about, again, this is this is when I have to recalculate and get back on track is how do I do that accurately and get back on track? Um, you know, knowing that I may never get to my final outcome goal, but if I'm doing this right. So, for example, when I previously was training for a half Ironman, again, I mentioned that I crashed 10 days before Waco last October. Right. And so for me, had I not been practicing all this process the entire time, it would have been really easy to be like disappointed in myself because in this, I felt like I was I felt shame. I felt initially on, I was in the hospital. Like I let a lot of people down, let myself down, but I was able to then, because I was using the right mindset, I said to myself, and I had the right people who were giving me feedback and reflecting back my values, my beliefs, my purpose. I then was able to recalculate the next goal, even in real time to say, okay, well, I'm not going to go out like a chump because I am a triathlete. I put all this time in my baseline of fitness health, wellness, and fitness was way higher. I've already put the work in. I got the roadmap. Why would I not just break it back out and do it again? You know, and so that's what allows you to then be able to move it forward. Even if you don't achieve your goals, it's not about the outcome. It's about the process, right? And I think a lot of people talk about the outcomes, which are focused in on success and failure, but that prevents you from, takes things out of your control. What's in your control is if you use it more of an experimentation you know, approach to things too. Again, we're using our scientific method where I have a hypothesis, you know, and then I go test that in the laboratory of life and then experimentation, not mistakes, or even, even deliberate practices or mistakes aren't necessarily going to help you guarantee that you're going to learn. But if you have an experimentation uh, approach to things well too, and I treat what I'm going through like a laboratory, I'm always going to learn and get better, even when I don't get the outcome. So that's another thing I would that's baked into this process is experimentation. I love this. So, where can people find you and follow you? You're 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 crushing it on LinkedIn. Is that where you like people to follow you on social media? I'm trying to be like you, Eric, man. So uh, yeah, I'm trying to. So my kung fu is the strongest right now on LinkedIn, and uh, I'm trying to expand that a little bit too. I'll, I'll leave my link my link tree account that has all my socials on there as well. So I think my my second belt uh, is probably in is an Instagram. And so I've got both accounts for it's designed to performs our company 
Um, you can also follow me at Andy Reese on LinkedIn, Coach Reese. Uh, and my last name's R-I-I-S-E. You can find me there. That's a private account. The public account is uh, designed to perform on Instagram as well, too. And then I just started my own YouTube channel trying to put uh, little snackable snippets on there uh, that are more educational focused, but then give you some actions to talk about the what, so what, and now what about mental toughness. Um, and then we're, we're eventually going to get into Facebook and so on and so forth. Uh, I'm building my website uh, right now, too, because I'm a little bit behind on the entrepreneurship game, trying to again, trying to trying to ride in the ride in the vapors. That's Eric Quorum and Aim Seven here, <laughs> but uh, we'll eventually get there and get my website online. Uh, one step hey, listen, at a time. Keep crushing. Uh, just this is total social media stuff, but find that you're killing it on LinkedIn. Keep leaning into that and don't spread yourself too thin. Then branch out one at a time. But you got like, it. I spent a lot of time on instagram and i'm leaning more into linkedin now but and twitter it, it can be exhausting the key yeah. is, is like you have a very unique audience that's very excited about you and what you're sharing and so just continue to lean into that but we're going to put i'll put links to design to perform on instagram your youtube channel linkedin for sure you better follow them on and then i'll put something in here for somebody to schedule a consult with you because it, after listening to this if, if you're not motivated to go out and if you don't have the motivation and want to get the discipline to go achieve your goals and you're, you're a freaking lunatic. So <laughs> thank you so much for your time, Andy. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Uh, it was a pleasure. Look forward to the next time. Thanks again for listening to the blueprint podcast. And if you learned something new today about goal pursuit, please take a screenshot of the podcast and share it on whatever social media channel you use and let us know what you learned. Or if you have any questions, Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you on the next episode.